Welcome to Training for Manhood, an ongoing exploration and adventure intended to be fast, fun, and formative for guys who desire to be the best men they can. Young or old, there are always areas for improvement, growth, and maturity. We hope you'll pay attention and put into practice the useful advice you hear on this podcast. But remember, the goal isn't just to listen, but to do what you learn. Welcome to Training for Manhood. Hey, Training for Manhood listeners, wanted to jump on to thank you for listening and sharing our Training for Manhood podcast. When I launched this podcast back in August, I really had no idea what to expect, and it's been a great learning experience for me, and I hope it's been worthwhile for you as well. Anyway, just a reminder that you can connect with me, uh, Dan Panetti, uh, in terms of questions you might have or even topics for future shows. And yes, I am aware that several ladies listen to the podcast, uh, and I wanted to let you know that I've got some ideas for a few shows in the future that speak directly to you and your needs as well. My email is info at trainingformanhood.com. It's in the show notes. I hope you'll click on it and uh, let me know how things are going in your world. Now on to the podcast with my good friend, Gabe Boyd. Here we go. Welcome back to Training for Manhood. Um, Dan Panetti here again with Gabe Boyd. Um, and uh, Gabe, it's, uh, it's been a while since we've chatted. Um, yes. I, I kind of showed you our layout of, uh, of the Training for Manhood. And there's a bunch of other people that I've had uh, conversations with um, and uh, have enjoyed that. But uh, yeah, I always, fantastic. Yeah, I always enjoy talking to you because um, like your heart is for training um, young men. That's right. Yeah. Right. And I, I just I, I love that. So every time like we get together and we talk about, you know, hey, what are we doing? Right. There's a there's a lot of that same um, like overlap. Right. In fact, yeah. you just you just showed me a book that you just got. Right. About, you know, uh, raising a family and yeah. you know, training yeah. up young men. And so um, it's always good to get together and, uh, and talk with you. Uh, one of the things I want to talk about was um, uh, was an, a specific event that happened in my life. Okay. Right. That, <laughs> this is this a counseling session yes. today? Or okay. 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 And, and, oh, great. I'm it kind of is, right? Because um, uh, when I got in the car, um, I just I was like, okay, so that's an episode of, of training for manhood, right? And my okay. kids were kind of like, what happened? <laughs> okay. So I went into a donut store, and I'm going to use a little bit of hyperbole okay. to make a point. Okay. Right. So I'm at I'm in a donut store, right? And I'm watching a guy order donuts. Okay. And as I'm watching him, I'm just blown away by like his inability to understand the situation around him, okay. right? So let's just say there's, you know, 60 people in line and he took about 45 minutes to order four donuts, right? I, I, know, I know that's a little exaggeration, but it was just weird how he had like no concept of what was going on, right? And he's like, well, you know, hey, I'll take, oh, hey. And then, and then the kicker for me was he ordered the, uh, um, you know, the, the donuts kind of in the, in the wrong order. Have you ever watched... Right, they take donuts out and they put them on the shelf because they don't know if you're ordering two dozen or two. Yes. Right. Yes. And so, like, he didn't help them at all. Yeah. Right. And so, um, it was just it was just funny to watch him. And I thought about this idea, um, and then later, right, I'm I'm hearing somebody talk about um, that the life of Joseph in the Bible, um, how he moved from being what they considered oblivious, right, or oblivious, right, uh-huh. to observant. Okay. And I thought of the guy in the donut store, and I went, "That was it. <laughs> that was the thing that bothered me." Was he had no idea that there was anybody else in the entire universe, right, that was there in line to order donuts as well. Mm-hmm. Like everything revolved around him and his time, mm-hmm. right? So if it took him 45 minutes to order four donuts, that's no big deal, right? right? Um, and I, I think that's the concept. And so this, the story of Joseph is really interesting. Um, Joseph, right, is the son of Jacob. Um, and um, he's got this sort of special place in his father's heart. 
uh, and his dad gives him, you know, this this uh, coat of many colors, right. right? And he's got, you know, all these other brothers that are out in the field and working, and Joseph obviously isn't. Um, and so one day Joseph has a dream, right, about, you know, how all his brothers are going to bow down to him. And, and later you get to see in the story, like, what that dream is all about, right? But Joseph doesn't get it yet. He's just a, you know, a young kid. And so he runs out and he tells his brothers, hey, I had this dream, and everybody's going to bow down to me, right? right. And the brothers are like, no, we're not. Um, and so, <laughs> yeah. so they end up... Right. Selling him into slavery and, you know, telling that, you know, Jacob that he was dead. And he ends up, you know, um, going to Egypt. Right. And he uh, he goes through this process of life and maturing and all these different things that we watch. Uh, and then later he's in prison. And one of the verses that kind of stands out is that he sees these people um, who are distressed and he goes up to him and he goes, why are you so sad? Mm. And what the guy was saying is, right, Joseph in his early life, right, was oblivious to anything around him and to how people would receive things. Right. Joseph in his later life, right, was like observant, right? And I just thought about that from, from a, a manhood standpoint, right? Yeah. Was that we need to be observant of situations around us so that we know how to act and how to interact with people around us. Yeah. What, what is that thought? What is that? As I say that, what does that mean to you? Yeah, I, I think that, that, that we see that so often. Um, and I think age has a lot to do with that. I think yeah. there's, there's a level of maturity that... that only experience can allow that to happen. Uh, it mainly, I'm just thinking about like the context of, uh, of children. Uh, they're so used to being selfish because everything about us as parents allows that to happen, right? We do everything for our kids until at some point along the way, we kind of turn them loose and say, hey, you need to figure this out on your own. Uh, and, it, and it's at that point that they start to mature a little bit in the sense of, hey, I may need the help of other people um, I think there's an additional level of maturity, even though once they understand that they may need help, that there are other people just like them that may also need their help. Yeah. And, and so I think that it's not uncommon to watch uh, young boys uh, or just young people in general have this very uh, me-centered uh, reality that they live in because, because that's, how they're, that's how they're raised. Uh, and that's not that's not bad. Uh, it's just it just shows a lack of maturity uh, for them. But I think that there is a point uh, within the life of a boy transitioning into manhood uh, where they've got to start to realize that I'm not the only one that exists. Um, I'm not the only one on the road. So I, I was about to go off on a on a soapbox of people driving yes. and this obliviousness. Yes. I'm not. I'm gonna ref, I'm gonna refuse and refrain from doing that. But <laughs> I'm not gonna call out that specific. That's, car that's right. I'm not gonna. When do I was it. driving I'm not gonna here, do it. right, it was a Ford. Okay. <laughs> but I do think that there that there there are times uh, when we see in the point of, of just the maturation process from boyhood to manhood. Uh, where where we stop looking just at what's good for me, and we start to think, okay, how can maybe I make some sacrifices so that things are good for others? Yes. Um, and I think that's what we're talking about is this whole idea of like how oblivious are we that other people actually exist? Yes. Uh, and that maybe just maybe I exist for the good of other people. Amen. So okay, so here's the cool thing. One of my favorite verses in Scripture, right, is Psalm uh, 144, 12. and David's actually talking about how do I know um, that God has blessed a nation? Okay. And so he, he gives all these different things. Basically, um, you know, your crops are growing, your cattle are giving birth and, you know, and expanding all these different things. At the very beginning in verse 12, he talks about um, your young boys, right, will be like well-pruned plants um, and your girls will be like pillars carved to adorn a palace. 
right? And so, you know, the, the, the girl thing, right? If we had a show about, you know, training, training women, <laughs> right? We would dive into that, but we're training for manhood. Yeah. So the funny thing is, is like this, this well manicured plant, yeah. right? It's like, that's a weird description, right? Of how do you know that God has blessed a nation? Basically is what he's saying is that your young boys will start to look like young men, mm. right? They won't just be like plants running wild, right? In a sense, kind of like weeds, yeah, yeah. right? But they'll, they'll begin to take shape and form, and one of the ways that you do that, right, is that you prune the plant, mm -hmm. right? So you, you cut it, yeah. right? You don't want it growing off over here, so you cut it so it grows in the direction that you want it to go. And I thought about that. Um, there's, a, there's a verse where um, it talks about David and how he had a son. Um, you know, everybody remembers Absalom, right? But there was a son before that, um, Adinijah, right? And it says that he never said no to him. Right. I mean, literally in the, yeah. in the Bible, like yeah. says that David, because, and it says that he was handsome. Mm -hmm. Right. So basically David had a favorite kid. Right. And he, he would, you know, whatever Adenijah wanted, right. David said yes to. Yeah. And eventually, right. It's going to get to the point where Adenijah is going to come in and say, hey, I want to be king. Why can't I be king? Right. And he tries to overthrow David. Now God, you know, takes care of him um, and, and takes care of that rebellion. Right. But the idea is Right, that if you're raising a group of young people and you never say no to them, that you don't, in a sense, manicure them, that you don't um, prune them, that you don't say no, um, they're going to be wild plants that run amok. And they're going to be oblivious to the reality that there's anybody else around them that they're running over. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think the idea that I want to communicate, right, is that as we develop, as you say, as we mature into manhood, right. the earlier that starts, the better. Yeah. Right. So I just remember one time um, I had a group of kids that were meeting. Right. There were seventh and eighth graders. I walked into the room. We have a big, huge room. Um, I don't know if I've given this example before, but uh, we walked into a room and there were no chairs set up in the room. Yeah. Right. And just, you know, an oversight by somebody. I walk in there, you know, about 150 seventh and eighth grade kids are about to walk in. And as they walk in, they all put their book bags down. They, they look around and they're like, OK, what do we do? And most come in and they just sit down on the floor. Mm -hmm. Right. And one, one young man comes up to me. He's in eighth grade. He comes up to me. He goes, hey, Mr. Panetti, is there anything I can do to help? Mm -hmm. And I went, oh. Like, yeah. that's, that's the difference from boyhood to manhood. Yeah. Right? Of walking into a room and not saying, where do I sit? But walking into a room and saying, what can I do to help somebody else? Yeah. Right? Now, I grabbed, right, you know, 14 other boys. And we grabbed all the chairs and we got them all set up. Right? And to me, the difference between boyhood and manhood is... Um, you know, the, the young man who's training for manhood, right, walks into a room and says, what can I do for help? The boys, right, I can grab and I can tell you what to do. Right. Right. It's kind of like the, you know, the pick up sock thing. Yeah, right. I can right. tell you to pick it up. But do you see things? Right. Yeah. Are you observant? Right. Do you begin to see um, things that other people don't see? Yeah. Right. For an example, um, I had one of my boys, you know, um, a, a couple of weeks ago and I saw something on the ground and I asked him to pick it up. And it was in kind of a weird spot. And, uh, and my, you know, my son said to me, he goes, you know, yeah, I, I didn't see that. And the weird thing is, is like, right, you didn't see it, not that it wasn't there, but because you weren't looking. Right. Right. And so that's a difference. Yeah. Right. Boys look for things that are concerning them. Men look for things that are concerning others. Yeah. Yeah. I think that I think that's so true. And I think that it's it's such an interesting idea. And I even see this within the life of my own kids. Uh, but, but just kids in general, right, to, to have these, uh, these eyes to look for opportunities to right. serve or right. these, these eyes um, 
to look for opportunities to um, do something that blesses somebody. So one of the things that, that I always heard, and I, I think it's such a great principle, is um, I've tried to instill in my kids um, to look for opportunities to serve. So like we have this motto that I tell my girls every day. Uh, it's we're going to be respectful of our teachers, we're going to be kind to our friends, and we're going to look for ways to put others first. Yes. And, and so in, in that, I'm trying to train them that, hey, these opportunities, sometimes they'll land in your lap to where you can jump on board. Sure. But but I want you to be proactive yeah. in the looking. Sometimes you have to the make finding. the opportunity. That's right. Right. Um, and so how do we go out and proactively become a blessing to somebody, right? Because what, what, what we've been given has required a great deal of responsibility on us to also give that same amount away. Uh, and so I think this idea of having the eyes to see uh, how we might do good for others uh, is something that is so, so important for us as men, uh, especially in the context of leading our families uh, or, or even just at work. Um, how can we look and actually have the eyes uh, to see, man, this is somebody who needs my help. This is somebody that I can encourage. This is somebody that I can make their day better. Uh, and, and not just miss those opportunities because we're so um, so confined and wrapped up in what's good for me yeah. or, or what's next on my list of to-dos, um, but rather like um, looking for opportunities to be interrupted. I, I know that sounds weird, like, but looking for these opportunities to say, yeah, I think I could step in and, and fill a void right here in somebody else's life, or I could do good in this situation that maybe makes everybody else's job a little bit easier. Yeah, that's in fact, it's one of the things I loved. Um, like we got to do a lot of work together, yeah. um, and a lot of our job was actually helping other people. That's right. Right. So it was, you know, there, there were things that you had to do or things that I had to do, but we got called into a lot of things that, that weren't necessarily like on our list of to do's. Right. right. But they were on somebody else's list of to do's that we actually had the skill set to help them. Um, and so we got we got to do a lot of those things and we didn't say no to those opportunities. We loved, in a sense, serving. Yeah. Right. And it just it, it made for right kind of an enjoyable like work environment when. You know, the answer is always yes. What's the question? Yeah. Right. Yeah, and just, it, right. Was, it was a great thing. Um, one of the verses I wanted to go back to was uh, in Psalm 127. Um, and this is a kind of a familiar verse for a lot of people where it talks about, you know, arrows in the hands of a warrior. Yeah. Um, so our children in, in one's youth. And so the idea that you were saying that you're trying to raise, right, your four girls, mm -hmm. right, with this mindset, right, of seeing an opportunity, right, and then stepping into that opportunity. Um, and I was just thinking about that. Um, so I, I read somewhere where people were talking about, you know, the arrows in the hands of a warrior, right? The warrior, he first, you know, shapes those arrows, right? And so in a sense, we were talking um, in the Men Speak Truth episode, we talked about how men, in a sense, speak things into existence, right? right. Like we shape things with our very words, mm -hmm. right? So we shape our children. We shape those relationships by the way that we communicate about them, right? And so that's super important. Um, but then we sharpen them. Right. And, you know, a familiar verse for us as guys, right? The Proverbs, you know, 27, 17, uh, as iron sharpens iron, right? So that one man sharpens another, right? So that idea being, right, that people around us um, will hopefully be better because of our presence, mm, yeah. right? Not, not that, you know, not that, um, you know, everything's good for us, but actually the people that we're around, right, are blessed by us being there. Right. right. You know, when Gabe walks into a room, my first thought is, oh, good, here's somebody who can help out with a situation, not, oh, I got to take care of Gabe now. Right. right? <laughs> like, oh, you know, who's going to entertain Gabe? Right. Yeah. But I mean, that that concept where right? when when a man walks into a room, it's like he's seen as an asset. Right. 
right? right? Not a detriment to the situation. But then the other thing is, um, they were just talking about how, you know, you shape arrows, you sharpen arrows, and then you shoot them, right? You send them out right. for a path that they're going to go on. And that brought up in my mind the whole idea of, of fatherlessness, mm-hmm. right? That there are so many young men, right, who don't have somebody to, to shape them, to sharpen them, and then to shoot them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's a, a real unfortunate situation for a lot of young men, um, that don't have somebody who can train them up. And so one of the things I was thinking of is just the difference between physical family and spiritual family, right? Like you have four girls, yeah. right? But you have such a heart's desire for training young men. That's right. Right? And so that idea is that there's a, a lot of young men who look to you, in a sense, as kind of their spiritual father, yeah. right? They're, you're not their biological father, right. right? But you're their spiritual father, right? You guide them, you shape them, you launch them out, right, as a Christian man, because of the influence that you've poured into their life. And I just wanted that to be something that as men, we move from, you know, oblivious, my life is all about me, to observant, the idea of how can I train other young men? Um, and even if they don't have, right, a physical father, or maybe their physical father isn't doing what he needs to be doing, how can I step into that role and begin to train some young men to help launch them out and become the men that they need to be? Yeah, yeah, that's so important too. And I I think it's such a gift. You mentioned I've got four daughters. And so my training of boys is not just out of the goodness of my heart to a certain extent. I always tell people like the reason I love training boys is because one day my my daughters will be looking for men to marry. That's right. Uh, I'll be approving hopefully men and not disproving of boys who come knocking on my door. Um, But but at the same time, it, it doesn't negate the fact that like, um, I think studies will show that the world is better when men act like men. Right. Uh, when when we act the the way that God has intended for men to lead and act, uh, it's better for society as a whole. Uh, and so, just as you were talking, one of the things that I was thinking through that somebody told me a long time ago uh, is that when you enter into a room, that you 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 enter slowly hmm. uh, and you just kind of take it all in. Uh, and so even with that principle of entering into a room slowly, well, why am I walking slowly into a room? Don't I want everybody to know that here I am, the great and wonderful Gabe has entered the room? Uh, no, that's not, that's not the posture of, of a man. Uh, the posture that I want to have as I enter into a room is I want to assess what's going on in this room and how might I be of service to, um, to make or facilitate what's going on in this room better. Uh, how can I how can I walk in and say okay there's somebody over there in the corner who's all by themselves let me go be a friend to that person yes. oh there's somebody over there that looks like they may be having a heated exchange how can I go in there and mediate or 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 diffuse that situation uh, how can I go to what you just said earlier is be an asset to any place that I walk into whether it's a restaurant or a classroom uh, or it's my or it's my office like how can I go in there and with the confidence that a man has to walk in slowly, take in the situations that are around me, and be observant to where I might be uh, best used by the Lord to go and be a blessing to whatever's happening in that situation. Yeah, I think I think it'd be neat to you know to have that situation where uh, in any given room that you walk in, right, to be able to kind of get into the minds of the people who see you as you walk in, right? Yeah. Like Dan, Dan's just walked into the room. Right? What are people feeling now? Do they feel a sense of relief? Do they feel a sense of dread? Right? Do they, I mean, what 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 is it that people around you are feeling? And I think that the concept is, you know, a lot of body language gives away, right, how people respond to you. Um, and I think you know that you need to be observant of that. 
Yeah. Uh, are people walking away from you because they're like, oh, that's too much for me to handle? Are people walking towards you, right? Because you've got power and influence and they want to use that? Or in a situation like you're saying is, right, when you walk into a room, are you able to assess it and say, okay, where can I best serve? Where can I best be used? How can I make the, the greatest impact, mm-hmm. right? Not just how does it affect me, but as a man, how do I affect the room that I'm walking into? Yeah, I think that's good. a great thing. I think though my uh, my takeaway for this week yeah. uh, really is the idea that I want men to begin to um, not be oblivious, but be observant about others around them, about those guys, those young guys around them that need somebody in their life to be able to um, speak truth and speak life into them. Yeah. Um, look for somebody who doesn't have uh, that role model, yeah. right? Look for uh, a child who's, you know, coming from a divorce situation uh, or coming from a situation where the dad's not there um, and begin to say, hey, as a man, I need to be about um, training other men. Um, how do I do that? And if you're a young man, right? So you're, you know, 15, 18, 20, and you don't have uh, that older guy as your example for whatever reason, right? Can you walk into a room and can you look for a man in that room who can help train you? Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's so important because I think exactly what you said, part of this process of us training for manhood, it, it, we're all in the midst we're of the training. Together, we're right. all doing it together actively right now. And part of that being a man is me being observant of those who don't have somebody to look up to. Uh, and that as I'm continuing to better myself and become more of a man myself, how can I bring somebody else along in that same training so that we're, we're now training together as one, uh, whether it be my actual dad or my spiritual dad, uh, whoever that man is, who can I look out for as a man uh, and, and start to train with? Uh, but also if I don't have anybody that I'm looking up to, just like you said, how, how can I find somebody that's doing it well or I perceive is doing it well? How can I start to model myself after the things that they're doing? Yeah, I've always heard every man, every man needs a ball and a Timothy. Every man needs an older man who's training him and a younger man that they're training. It's perfect, right? So be observant of that and find those in your life. Thank you for listening to Training for Manhood. If you found the conversation to be valuable, make sure to rate us where you listen to podcasts. Also, check out additional content on our website, trainingformanhood.com. That's training, the number four, manhood.com. Until next time, in the words of King David, be strong and show yourself a man.